this uh, episode's getting dark. We're going to talk about sin and Satan. We can all think of people who, you know, are renowned for their evil acts. And I think we would say to those people, do not be yourself, right? Uh, you need to struggle mightily yeah. against the, those base impulses. That's true for all of us. But if you realize now, you know what, there's some dark tendencies in there. And, and I need to be aware of that uh, in order that I can exercise self-control. Welcome to the podcast called Your Future Self Will Thank You with Drew Dick and Jeremy Slager. With secrets to self-control from the Bible and brain science, this podcast will help you make change that lasts. Your Future Self Will Thank You podcast, self-control and habit building from a distinctly Christian perspective. Well, welcome back and welcome to episode three of the Your Future Self Will Thank You podcast with Jeremy Slager and with... Drew Dick. We are really excited to get going here and to discover the secrets to self-control from the Bible and brain science. Uh, This episode, we really want to dive into on the dark side of self-control and on what happens when self-control goes wrong. So this episode, um, Drew is going to be helping us to understand a little bit about sin, temptation, and Satan. So, Drew, as I've been trying to think about self-control, there's a a philosophy that I've heard a lot about that I was curious what your thoughts were. Uh, From what I understand, it started with Aristotle, that he had said that the human mind is a writing tablet on which, as yet, nothing stands written. Uh And several years later, probably a couple thousand, John Locke wrote that the tabula rasa theory that was that at birth— The human mind is like a blank slate that doesn't have rules for processing data, and you could kind of chart your own course. So I'm curious in your research through self-control, is the human mind, is the human spirit a blank slate, or is there already an operating system that we inherit? Uh, Yeah, great question. Um, And I think by this point... Uh, from what I've read uh, in the sciences, the blank slate uh, philosophy or view of human nature has been thoroughly debunked. We know we come wired, for instance, to learn language, to interact with our caregivers and other people in the world. Uh, And on top of that, we have certain uh, capabilities that are kind of hardwired in. Uh, They may be developed or not developed, uh, but everyone's a little bit different, right? And then when it comes to the issue of self-control, when it comes to sin, You know, as Christians, um, we believe that uh, something really bad happened in the garden that we call the fall, right? And so in addition to um, having certain inborn propensities that can be good, um, we also have stitched into the fabric almost of our DNA and who we are, this inbuilt tendency to sin, this kind of, um, uh, this impulse towards selfishness. And, and, and define God. Now, on the other hand, of course, we're made in the image of God, right? So it's mm-hmm. this dual reality that we do have these noble impulses and these amazing things um, about us, but um, we also know that we're fallen. And so I think it's important to realize that so that you're not just kind of blindsided by temptation when it comes, right? Because if you don't think there's anything wrong with you fundamentally, you'll just go, well, you know, I just need to let out all the goodness in my heart. And, and really the only problem I have in life is if someone's trying to restrain my self-expression. But if you realize now, you know what, there's some dark tendencies in there, 
And, and I need to be aware of that uh, in order that I can exercise self-control. Yeah, you hear a lot of people saying, um, just be yourself. <laughs> but what if who please, you are please don't, please don't. is actually a problem? <laughs> exactly. Isn't that true? It's more complicated than that because, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I won't mention you know names, but we can all think of people who you know, are renowned for their evil acts. And I think we would say to those people, do not be yourself, right? <laughs> uh, you need to struggle mightily yeah. against the, those base impulses. That's true for all of us. Um, so yeah, that kind of glib, uh, cliche like that can actually get us in a lot of trouble. Yeah. It's like making sure that we understand that there is something fundamentally broken to start with. Yeah. And it's something that we add to. And there's also something fundamentally good that we have been given from God and we have to learn discernment to be able to say yes to the good and no to the bad. Right. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting, too, and this is an observation that comes from the columnist David Brooks, New York Times mm. columnist David Brooks. He talks about how, as a culture, at least in the Western world, we used to have what he calls the crooked timbers tradition. Mm. And that is this view of humans as crooked wood, basically, right? So yeah. we, we come into this world and we're kind of warped and bent in many ways. And we have this lifelong struggle of trying to straighten ourselves. And, of course, as Christians, we don't do that all in our own power. God, God equips us in that struggle. But I think it, that's crucial because when you realize that you're warped and twisted, mm -hmm. then you realize you're in a struggle, right? That you need help, that you need God's forgiveness, that you need divine empowerment, that you need to exercise self-control. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's not just that were crooked timber, even though that's true, <laughs> but there's also like you read the scripture and there's actually an enemy. Right. That's also trying to not another enemy. Right. He's just trying to make us worse and trying to lead us further into temptation. Right. So how do the, how does that interact? Because sometimes we just want to blame ourselves or sometimes we just want to blame something wholly other but it's not usually that clear cut, is it? Right. No, and you're right. You you signaled this at the outset. This uh, episode's getting dark. We're going to talk about <laughs> sin and Satan, right? Yeah. Uh, I think the first thing to say is sometimes in Christian circles, I just want to get this out of the way, we can give Satan too much credit, right? Yeah. I see this all the time. It's like, oh, this, this leader fell or something. Oh, my goodness, Satan poached another one. What are we to do? What an awful thing. And I go, well, maybe. I mean, yeah, Satan was certainly involved, but let's not let that guy off the hook entirely. Yeah. Obviously, he had some some uh, major failures when it came to self-control. Um, and so often, uh, it's, it's really just giving in to temptation all on our own, so to speak. But mm -hmm. yes, at the same time, Scripture is very clear that we have a spiritual adversary, right? And who, mm -hmm. who's not above uh, capitalizing on our psychological weaknesses and our bad habits and our besetting sins. And what I find so interesting in Scripture, you know, a lot of people get really spooky about this, and they're like, okay, well, we need to spiritually map our city, and we need to understand all these, you know, formulaic prayers that we can say to get rid of mm -hmm. Satan. But the truth is, I think it's a much more prosaic sort of endeavor. Um, the, the Scripture talks about resisting Satan, right? You resist mm -hmm. the devil, and he will flee from you. So, um, and, and how do we resist him? Often it's by not giving him a foothold in our lives. So we don't mm -hmm. allow a sin to creep in and become a habit. So we exercise self-control, and when we do that, Satan flees. So I think that's, that's an important part of spiritual warfare, if you will. It's nothing spooky. It's nothing weird. It's resisting sin, 
because that's what Satan, Satan wants to trip you up. He wants to, to get a foothold in your life and cause you to sin. And if you can resist him, uh, that's when he, he turns away. Yeah, I I had the the opportunity to preach over the weekend, and I was given the the topic of preaching on the temptation of Jesus. Whoa! And one of the the illustrations that I use that really hit home for me is when when Satan tempts you. Let's say God tells you to go east. I asked the the people that were listening and not sleeping. I asked <laughs> them which which direction do you think Satan's going to lead you in? Where is he going to tempt you? And everybody says. To the west and mm. it's a it's a trick of the pulpit um because it's not he's not going to leave if god says go east satan's not going to tell you to go west he's going to say go just a little bit off of east ah uh, yeah just go a little bit further and a little bit further and he's going to get that foothold like you said and slowly pull you off course right and i think sometimes when we think of temptation we often think of the big things Yep. You know, like, do not murder. And so Satan's going to say, go murder somebody. <laughs> but I don't know if I've been tempted to murder somebody. Yeah. But I have been tempted exactly. to be angry and to hold grudges. And in those moments when we're feeling kind of led off course, how, how do you think we get back on course? How do we keep our eyes mm -hmm. fixed on the right direction when temptation is trying to pull us astray? Yeah, I like the way you phrased that. You're being let off course, right? Because, yeah, Satan is smart enough to know that there are certain leaps you're not going to make. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're right. Are you going to, if you get irritated with your neighbor or something, are you going to go murder him? Oh, probably not, right? It's going to be, it's going to be much more subtle than that. Like you said, you're going to hold a grudge or you're going to be resentful or something like that. Or even, you know, the vast majority of, pe uh, of people aren't going to go um, maybe have an affair, right? But they can still indulge lust in different ways. And of course, the, the whole thing with sin is that it usually starts small. Satan knows he doesn't need to win the whole game overnight. If he can just get you a little off course and compromising in some areas of your life and you go, oh, that's not a big deal. I'm going to let that go. You know, there's a guy over there who's far worse and he's got, you know, a worse sin than me. But eventually it doesn't stay there, right? That's the problem. And James mm -hmm. talks about this progression where, where sin, you know, starts when you're tempted and then eventually it sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. So it does lead to those big things. And as we know, just, you know, from traveling, if you're off just a couple of degrees on a trip, yeah. right, you're going to land at a completely different destination. So I guess the, the advice that I would give is to be vigilant, right? Mm -hmm. And this is not, you know, saying you need to be legalistic or something like that, but don't indulge and tolerate small sins. Mm -hmm. I love what the, the Puritan John Owen says. He says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Mm. That's the kind of urgency Good. and seriousness we need to have towards sin. Um, yeah. We don't just kind of keep it around and go, oh, that's not a big deal. It's not, it, it's, it's not really affecting anyone else. It's not really affecting my life that much. It will mm -hmm. eventually. And in the first place, of course, it's an affront to a holy, a holy God. And so we need to t treat it seriously. Yeah. And what role do you think reading the scripture kind of keeps you you headed in the right direction because i think sometimes it's easy to deceive yourself into thinking it's not that big of a deal right yeah i think i think scripture is kind of that 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 standard that pulls us back right when we get mm -hmm. off course i think of like you know when you're getting directions from your phone it's like rerouting yeah. or course correction <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah. you know even though you miss, you miss the turn off it's going to kind of 
uh, get you back on track. Um, and I think of the scripture, of course, that says, um, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I can't believe I'm going to the King James, but there it is. Um, <laughs> right? Because it's like, yeah, when, when, you, when you internalize God's word and you dwell on it and meditate on it, it does prevent you from sinning against God, right? And I think a lot of times we just fall prey because we're not in God's word. And it's not that we forget. We kind of know what, what a sin is and what a sin isn't usually. But man, when you're in scripture all the time, that kind of, that resets you. It reminds you of God's commands and laws and, um, and it, your behavior does improve, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the Bible is such a key facet in rediscovering self-control, in like learning and knowing what the right thing is to do. But I know that you've also done a lot of studying into brain science. And this may be just a hunch of mine, but I feel like Satan probably is a great brain scientist. <laughs> he knows <laughs> right. he knows the he knows vulnerable places in the human mind and heart. Right. Where do you think people are most temptable? When is it that Satan's going to find those those openings that he can exploit? Yeah, and I think Satan's very strategic about when he's going to come along with certain temptations. And we see this, uh, you just preached on this, um, in the, the temptation of the wilderness that Jesus went through, right? Yeah. When did Satan come along? Was it right after Jesus was, you know, fresh and he hadn't started fasting yet? No, it's right at the end, right? When he'd been fasting for 40 days and he hungered, um, yeah. you know, and, and so that's when Satan comes along. He kind of sidles up to you, I think, when you're hungry, literally, right? Or, or yeah. dissatisfied, you know, in a more metaphorical sense. Um, if you're tired, when you're discouraged, you know, I've heard people say you never make a decision when you're discouraged. That's great advice because, you know, and from a from a kind of brain science perspective, your willpower is depleted and you don't have a lot of resolve at that point, um, and, and you'll make unwise decisions. So that's when Satan, that's when you have to be really, really aware. I was having um, uh, a conversation with a group of pastors recently, and one of them talked about how um, he was in an accountability group. Um, it was years earlier, um, and one of the guys said, you know what, this is going to sound awful, but the, I've realized the times that I fall prey to lust are right after I've been at a conference like speaking, you know, talking about God, and I feel just awful. I don't, I don't understand it because I'm on the spiritual high, you know, I preach this great sermon, and then I fall prey to lust the next day. And one by one, the whole group is raising their hands going, that's me, that's me. Now, mm-hmm. what's going on there? I mean, it's a couple things. Their willpower power is depleted because yeah. they've been putting out so much, right, in that conference. Um, they've been performing, and, and so their, their, their willpower reserves are dangerously low. But then at the same time, I think Satan's kind of swooping in. And he may yeah. be saying, hey, you know what, you deserve this, or you know, you you've done this great thing for God. He's gonna overlook it if you do this, right? And so that's when you're that's when you're vulnerable, and that's when we need to be especially vigilant. And in your book, is that what you call the the hot state? Yeah, partially. So yeah, what you're um referring to is what um uh brain scientists have called the hot cold empathy gap. Mm-hmm. And all that means is basically when we're calm and comfortable, we're in a cool state. Right. Um, You know, so when we're in that state, we're pretty good at resisting temptation. We're pretty Mm -hmm. good at exerting ourselves and, you know, finishing tasks, that kind of stuff. Um, But the problem is we always when we're in that state, we assume that we'll always be in that state in the future. Right. But as we know from experience, there's a hot state coming and a hot state is when you're 
frustrated, tired, grumpy, you know, um, mm -hmm. you, you skip a meal, you get a bad sleep, work gets crazy, all of a sudden you're in a hot state. And when you're in that hot state, your self-control is terrible. Um, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're more likely to give into the, the, into the temptation. So, um, and actually it's, it's interesting, it even changes your brain. The reward centers of your brain become more active when you're in a hot state. Um, and it makes you an easy mark for temptation. So, you know, maybe in the morning you said, you know, I'm gonna eat healthily all day. You're not hungry yet. But by like two o'clock in the afternoon, you're starving and you're at work and you walk by a tray of cookies and all yeah. of a sudden you're in a hot state and, and you react differently. So it's important to to understand that. Now, how do you how do you prepare for that? How do you combat yeah. that? Because the hot states are coming. Um, yeah. and, and I think I think the first thing is, if at all possible, to avoid those hot states. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes you can, you know, it's like, man, that person really triggers me. Uh, that, that situation is just, you know, really tough for me. And if you can, in those cases, what the, the key is, is to plan while you're in a cool state, how you're going to behave. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you kind of go, okay, when I'm in that state, I'm going to pre-commit right now, um, to, to behaving this way when I'm confronted with this temptation. And if you do that, going in, you'll have much more success. Whereas if you just rely on your willpower in the moment, you will fall prey to whatever temptation there is. So you're kind of just assuming in the cold state that you'll have the same level of willpower yep. as you do right there. So you're saying, well, I don't want a cookie now. So when I'm hungry at two, I won't want it then either. Yes. And so you need to develop a strategy, say, being honest with yourself to say, I'm not the same person when I'm hungry. Yeah. And really develop a strategy and a plan for how you will escape temptation then. Exactly. And here's the other thing that complicates this. This is really fascinating to me, at least. They've done brain imaging studies on people, um, and they ask them to think about their self, themselves, mm -hmm. and a certain area of the brain lights up. Then they ask them to think about their future selves, and it, it's identical to when they're thinking about other people. So oh, really? future selves as these totally foreign people. Not only that, we think our future selves are some kind of superheroes, right? So <laughs> these future selves will get up early every morning and exercise. That future self will, will um, eat well every day, read his Bible every morning, pray all the time, you know, conquer the to-do list, all that stuff. We just assume that in the future we're going to be these superheroes. Of course, what happens, we get to the future and we're pretty much the same as we were in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so often we, we think, Oh, I can handle that temptation. I can I can accomplish that task because I'm going to be a I'm, I'm going to be incredible uh, this fall. Right now, I'm lazy, right? Um, and so, yeah, we can really if we don't plan ahead and see ourselves realistically, uh, we can overcommit. We can fail to plan uh, and get ourselves in real trouble. And that's a terrifying thought because we do picture ourselves as the best version of ourselves in the future, that all those problems that we're dealing with now will be fixed. And we're deceiving ourselves because if we don't change how we're acting now, why would we think that our future self will be different? Precisely. Yes, exactly. And of course you can change. Yeah. Um, you, you can't, your willpower can grow. We talked about that uh, in a previous episode, like a muscle, right? Mm -hmm. um, when you choose to do the hard things. Uh, but uh, change is usually quite incremental, and um, most people sadly do not make progress, and so they wildly overestimate what they'll be capable of down the road. So what we're going to need to do next 
is we're going to need to discover what kind of habits we need to put in place now to start making those incremental changes so that when we get to our future selves, we'll be maybe not perfect, but we will be a little bit better. We'll have a little bit more willpower. We'll be a little bit more like the person that we are wanting to become. Yes. So that's a, a great topic, I think, for another episode. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it, man. That's a big one, too. You know, talking about habits and, and getting into the nitty gritty of how to implement them in your life and the habit loop and yeah, all that good stuff. You have been listening to the Future Self Podcast. If you enjoyed what you just heard, subscribe and leave a review wherever you find your podcasts. Your Future Self Podcast, self-control and habit building from a distinctly Christian perspective. We'll see you next time. Thank you.